So uh, as a church, we've been going through the Advent devotional called I Am Mary. Uh, how many of you have been reading that? Awesome. Like it? Good. Uh, we do have extra ones in the gallery. If you've missed it last week, we made some copies of it. Um, and don't fear, we did photocopy it. We will order more copies depending on how many get taken. Just so you, we don't, I totally believe in paying for what we use, and so we will do that, just so you're aware. So, um, Betty, I'm going to put you on the spot. You made some comments at the pastor's Bible study on Thursday about this. You thought this was a great advent, and so I'd like to, you to kind of give a commercial for it for those that haven't started it yet. Let me check this, check, check. Do we have the handheld on? Check, check. Is that there? It is. Okay. I think it was one of the best that I've ever read, okay. um, because it it takes Mary, uh, it portrays Mary as totally human, mm. and what she went through, uh, realizing she was pregnant, and all the anguish that she had, and the fact that she couldn't believe that it was God, that it was the angel that was coming toward her. I mean, it took me, well, being a woman, we if we've had a child, we recognize the pain and the agony physically that she was going to go through. And uh, so it, as a woman, it just really, really touched me. Mm -hmm. I would recommend it especially, well, to all, because so often, you know, it seems like the focus is on the baby Jesus and not on the mother who gave him birth. Right. So right. Um, it, was, it was good. It was Excellent. really good. Excellent. Good. So if you have not started it yet, I would encourage you to grab a copy uh, out here and you can read. Basically, um, if you haven't started it yet, then I would read both Mondays this week and then both Tuesdays this week and then both Wednesdays so you can get caught up that way. Um, and it'll go all the way until Christmas, uh, Christmas Day. So you'll have something to read on Christmas Day. Ironically, this passage that we read today um, and the preparation as Mary starts to head to visit Elizabeth. Ironically, on Thursday, when our pastor's Bible study met, we were reading the passage in John chapter 8, when the woman was brought before Jesus who had been caught in adultery. And the reading from the Advent devotional was all about how Mary was fearful for getting caught. Here she was, she was unwed, she was betrothed to Joseph, and she was pregnant. And um, her fear of what would happen if people found out and the retribution that might occur. Um, now remember last week, uh, we talked about Gabriel's visitation to, to Mary and how he came and he talked to her and spoke to her and called a few things to remember, um, that she was favored by God and the Lord was with her. And uh, then the, she asked the question, the obvious question, but how can this happen to me if you're saying that I'm going to give birth to the Messiah? How can this happen because I am a virgin? So we recognize that she was a virgin, but then when the angel said, uh, nothing is impossible with God, this will happen uh, just as I have said, and she said, here I am. Do with me, I am the servant of the Lord. And so we recognize that she was a well, willing servant, 
uh, willing collaborator within this wonderful moment, what we call the incarnation, the, um, this fantastic moment. So then she uh, is told by the angel to go and visit her cousin or relative, Elizabeth. We don't know if it's actually a first cousin, a second cousin, third cousin. Um, the language is unclear in the Greek, so we don't know for sure. So don't hang your hat on the fact that they were cousins, but they were both of the line of David. We do know that. So we know that they were um, relatives of some sort. Now, if you haven't read the beginning of uh, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, you know that the beginning of the Gospel of Luke doesn't talk about Mary or Joseph or Jesus at all. It talks about John the Baptist, and not even John the Baptist, but his parents. And uh, Zechariah, who was Elizabeth's husband, was the high priest. Every year they elected a new high priest, and Zechariah was the high priest. And the high priest was the only one that would go into the Holy of Holies uh, in the temple to um, serve the Lord. And when Zechariah entered into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, uh, I have to say that, the Ark of the Covenant, because for the younger people that only know um, Indiana Jones, and the, uh, <laughs> then they can say, oh, I can relate to that. Okay, so that's the Ark of the Covenant. And, um, and so Zechariah went in, and he was confronted by the, Gabriel, by the angel Gabriel as well. And when the angel Gabriel began to speak to him and said, your wife is going to become pregnant, and she is going to give birth to a boy, and you will name him John, and he will be the one that uh, heralds the coming of the Messiah. And um, Zechariah, uh, being uh, kind of a grumpy old guy, um, argued with the angel and said, how can that be? Um, my wife is old, she's past the time of childbearing. And that's when Gabriel said, well, nothing is impossible with God. And uh, because you argued with me, you will be uh, mute until the birth of John. Now, I don't know if you wanna put anything into that, the fact that she got pregnant when her husband couldn't talk um, and <laughs> Maybe that had something to do <laughs> with the fact that uh, when the husband couldn't talk anymore that she kind of said, oh, um, and was able to get pregnant. I don't know. Um, <laughs> words of wisdom, uh, just if you want to, those of you who are trying to have kids. Um, so that's the story of Elizabeth, and, it, uh, and so here's, here comes... Uh, Mary to visit Elizabeth and she's fearful. She's concerned about how people will look. At this point Elizabeth is six months pregnant when uh, Mary comes to visit her. So Mary's just barely pregnant, not showing at all. Elizabeth is definitely beginning to show and, and I'm sure Mary was concerned um, because in ancient Israel we know that women basically were passed from father to husband. Um, even in our services today, when we do a wedding, who gives this woman to be married to this man? It's this giving away from father to husband. Um, and it was usually at a very young age. It was usually in their teens. Um, so that is a cultural thing. I know it's tough for us when we look at it through our 20th century, 21st century eyes, and we say, well, gosh, this is terrible. But 
It's kind of the way it's been for thousands upon thousands of years, and um, our, our modern sensibility is a little different. But understand that if a woman got pregnant before she was married, that was considered a terrible thing. Here's some of the passages from Deuteronomy to be aware of. If a man marries a woman who is claimed to be a virgin and then finds out that she is not, they shall bring the woman to the entrance of her father's house and there her townsmen shall stone her to death. She'll be put to death if she's found out not to be a virgin on her wedding night. Stop, right? Uh, later in Deuteronomy 22, if a man has relations within the walls of a city with a maiden who is betrothed, you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city and there stone them to death. But if they were in the open fields, the man alone shall die because if it was in the open fields, the betrothed maiden may have cried out for help and there was no one to come to her aid. Interesting, right? If it's in the city, she should, have, she should be screaming and yelling for help. And if it's out in the country, then it's the guy's fault 100% and he's put to death. Uh, later in Deuteronomy 22, if the maiden, <laughs> if the maiden in question was not betrothed, the punishment was different. Uh, if a man meets a woman who is a virgin, uh, who is not betrothed and seizes her and lies with her and they are caught in the act, then the man who lay with her shall pay the girl's father 50 silver shekels and take her as his wife because he violated her. Moreover, he may not divorce her as long as he lives. So premarital, that's it. You're, you're, you are in the, you're marrying this girl. Um, so just to understand, the laws were very strict in those days, right? Uh, and much more than they are today. Um, and this was really to protect the woman because if she got pregnant, she would uh, be outcast as a single woman. They didn't have morning garden back in those days uh, where a church would take care of them, um, but we do today. So Mary comes into the home of Elizabeth um, and she speaks, and as soon as she speaks to Elizabeth, John the Baptist in the womb jumps, leaps for joy. Um, and Elizabeth makes this prophetic statement. She recognizes that Mary is blessed. Even though Mary hasn't said that she's pregnant yet or anything, um, Elizabeth says, blessed are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed is he who believed, uh, she who believed what was spoken by the Lord. Now somehow I kind of feel like Zechariah was in the background because Zechariah didn't believe when Gabriel spoke to him and Mary did believe, even though she asked, how can it be I'm a virgin? She believed and it was attributed to her and that was a blessing. So somehow I feel like Elizabeth was like, blessed are you Mary because you believed when Gabriel spoke to you. <laughs> Looking back at Zechariah like, unlike some people I know. Uh, so I don't know if that's really the case, but that's, I like to think of it that way. Um, and imagine how Mary must have felt. She's pregnant, she's newly pregnant, she's feeling all these changes in her body, she's concerned, she's fearful, and right from the moment she walks into the house, Elizabeth recognizes it. 
she doesn't have to tell her. She doesn't have to say, I'm pregnant. Elizabeth recognizes it and says, you are blessed. I'm not sure how uh, Mary would have felt because I'm not a woman. But perhaps it would be something like this. From across the market, I could smell a fish that had gone bad. I had noticed, I'd never noticed so many foul odors. Is this normal? Why do my breasts feel so tender? What should I eat to settle my stomach? Should I be sleeping so much? I had no idea what was happening with my body and I felt as if I were traveling alone on a twisting road without map or directions. Normally, I would ask the mothers in the village. In the past, when we got water from the well, I could pry answers from them, but this time I couldn't. Keeping my pregnancy a secret blocked me from that whole pool of women's wisdom. My mind wandered a bit, my mind wandered to a bit of news that Gabriel had relayed about my cousin Elizabeth being pregnant too. Elizabeth and Zechariah were much older than me and they lived in the hill country of Judah. Zechariah was a priest. It was a five day journey and too dangerous for me to be traveling alone. It was common to run into thieves or worse on the road. However, I felt drawn to Elizabeth as if my pregnancy was somehow connected with hers. I had to meet with her. I could be safe there and be with someone who could guide me. I needed the wisdom of a sister, so I went. I love that. Because we don't think of Mary walking through the market and going, oh, that fish, oh. But those of you who have been pregnant can relate to that, right? Having been married to a woman who was pregnant, I, no, <laughs> those things happen. So Mary goes, she finds this safe place, she finds a place that she can talk to somebody and talk about what it feels like and what it means to be pregnant. And, and Elizabeth is pregnant there. She's there for three months. So that means uh, if she went in the sixth month of her pregnancy, she's there for the last three months and she can see all the changes and everything and the grumpiness that Elizabeth is going through. And I can't sleep, I can't sleep on my side, I can't sleep on my back, I can't. It's just constant, right? So um, all of these things, and so she's able to stay there for three months. So the question I want to ask for us today, the lesson for us today, um, is to ask this. Who is or who are the Elizabeths in your life? Who are the people that you've gone to um, to find refuge, to find wisdom, to learn from? Um, who are the go-to people in your life, even today? There might be some people that are no longer with us, but think of the people that you can go to today. If they're still alive, if they're still with us, I encourage you to send them a note and just say thank you. Even thank you for being my Elizabeth. And then they'll say, uh, I'm not Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> but to be able to kind of explain, hey, we were, the pastor talked about Elizabeth being a mentor to Mary and I just want to let you know that you were a mentor to me and I appreciate all that you have done in my life and the, um, and the advice and care.
care that you've given to me. Um, the other lesson that we can learn is this lesson of blessing. That the first thing that Elizabeth said to Mary was blessed are you, blessed are you. Um, I learned about a tradition this past week. It's a Colombian tradition in the country of Colombia called, I'm gonna get this wrong, Noche de Ber Berita, Berita, uh, which means night of candles. So on the 7th of December, every year, Colombians gather together and they have candles and they light candles and say a blessing, a prayer of blessing for every loved one, family and close friends. What a wonderful tradition at this time of the year to say a blessing. And it kind of made me, as I was preparing for this, and then I heard about this, I thought, this is tied in. Elizabeth says three different times, blessed are you. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you because you've trusted. Again, so I want to encourage us all to offer prayers of blessing to God for the loved ones in our lives, our family members and our close personal friends. And then finally, I would encourage you to become an Elizabeth to others around you. How can you be an Elizabeth? How can you provide a safe, open shelter where people can come and find a place where they can ask questions, where they can um, not be judged, where they can feel comfort and love, a place where people can come seeking advice, safety, shelter, and wisdom. So who is the Elizabeth in your life? How can you pray prayers of blessing on others? And how can you become an Elizabeth to others? Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the blessings of this life. Uh, and I do pray a blessing on each person who is here today. Teach us, uh, help us to remember um, those people who have served as mentors in our lives. Help us to be thankful for them and offer uh, prayers of blessing to them. And help us to become Elizabeths to others, to be mentors to those around us, to the, for those who desperately need a place of shelter and wisdom and kindness and encouragement and support. Uh, help us to be that kind of person to those around us. We pray all of these things in your powerful name. Amen. And now let's um, sing the hymn of commitment. Good Christian friends rejoice, number 28 in your hymnal, and I invite you to stand if you're able to do so.
may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace, shalom, wholeness, fullness of life, both now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.